So Holy Spirit, use these next few minutes to help us know how much we are loved by you and know how we can give that love away. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hello, 945. Great to have all of you here. And those of you in the 11 o'clock service and our middle schoolers and our high schoolers and those of you at home, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, back when I was a pastor in California in my, in my former church, assistant pastor there, after a worship service one Sunday, a woman came up to me and was talking to me about a number of things in her life, including the fact that she was using drugs. And she felt guilty about that. So I told her about Jesus and forgiveness and redemption and renewal and all of that. And when I was done, she was just kind of standing there and didn't say anything. So I said, I know I've given you a lot to think about. That's a lot of information. So maybe you want to go home, think about it, and we can talk in a couple of days. And she just stood there, didn't say anything. And I said, look, I know that was probably like a fire hose. So, you know, why don't you go home, think about it, and then let's talk this week. You know, go, 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 go. And she just kept standing there looking at me. And finally I said, you, you, don't, you don't want to become a Christian, do you? And she said, why do you think I'm standing here? <laughs> now, my reluctance to talk to her about Jesus, even when she was directly asking for it, I think is indicative of an assumption a lot of us make that sharing our faith, talking about Jesus is rude, difficult, unwanted. Well, that all depends on how you do it. If you were here last week, I shared our vision, the vision that our elders and pastors have prayed over for, for uh, over a year, and I shared, you, shared with you the whole vision. I'm not going to redo that today, but if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, please go uh, listen to that talk. And just parenthetically, I want to say you guys have been awesome. You guys have responded so enthusiastically to that vision I talked about last week. And many of you are saying, how can I get involved? I'm ready to go now. And over the next couple of months, we will be uh, offering you different ways for you to be part of the vision that I outlined last week. There's two ways that you can start doing right away. And the first one is, because racial reconciliation is one of our goals, I'd encourage you to go to this six-week Bible study class on racism uh, in, the, in Scripture and what Scripture has to say about it. Uh, it's already met once, but you can still join in. And I just encourage you to go, because Scripture has a lot to say about racial healing, justice, and reconciliation. And then there's another way you can get involved, and I'll talk about that in, in a minute. Now, the top line of the vision of, our, of this church is that we want to participate with Jesus in seeking the spiritual, relational, socioeconomic flourishing of the east side and beyond. Now, the old-fashioned word for that is revival, but revival broadly defined. Revival in terms of people, marriages being transformed and made whole. Revival in terms of people coming out of poverty. A revival of families. A revival in that businesses are run in ways that contribute to human flourishing. And revival spiritually that more people know Jesus. Lots more people know Jesus. And that's like a 10 to 20 year vision. But along the way, some exciting things are going to happen. And one of those is we can bring good news to people about Jesus, which is actually very fulfilling. Because when you are part of changing someone's life, that just feels good. Because Jesus makes life better. And we see that in this story where a man named Philip brings good news about Jesus to an Ethiopian eunuch. And it says Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And then at the end of the story, it says the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. So the key words here are good news and rejoicing. It doesn't say Philip shared the bad news about Jesus with this Ethiopian. The good news. 
You know, the word evangelism conjures up a lot of negative images of pushy Christians forcing their faith on people. And a lot of people have experienced that from Christians. And the whole idea just goes against our culture that says it's not right to force our beliefs on anyone else unless, of course, it's our political beliefs and then go ahead, force away, right? Now, indeed, if the verb is forced, right, we shouldn't be doing that. But the word evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelion, which simply means good news. It is not about forcing our belief on people at all. We should never do that, ever. It's about good newsing people. And yes, I'm going to use that as a verb. I have a PhD in English. I can do that, okay? Don't try it at home. Good newsing people, that's what we're called to do. If talking about Jesus to others is hard for you, maybe it's because you don't think you're bringing good news. A guy in our church this week told me that he grew up in a very strict religious tradition. And one year at summer camp, all the kids at one meal, they were playing and, and yelling and making a ton of noise and just having fun, you know, the way kids do. And this stern, older matron camp counselor stood up and started yelling at him and said, stop it, stop it. Being a Christian is no fun. And that is exactly how some Christians make it seem. Like this is no fun at all. But at the end of this story, look at what has happened. By the end of this story, the Ethiopian finds healing for his pain and loneliness. There's racial reconciliation. And what started as an ordinary day for Philip turned into a really cool adventure. That's good news. Jesus makes lonely people feel loved, outcast, invited in, guilt-ridden sinners feel forgiven and free, broken people whole, marriages restored. Jesus heals racial divisions, gives adventure to the bored, purpose to the purposeless, healing, redemption, renewal, and joy. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is nothing but good news. Who in your life can use some good news? Someone who's lonely or overworking to prove their worth or bored. I have had conversations about Jesus with folks in my gym, atheist professors at Stanford, here, in, here in, in Bellevue, a neighbor that was into drugs and prostitution, all kinds of people I've talked to about Jesus. Never once has it been uncomfortable, and never once has the other person felt offended, ever. Because all I did was I offered good news. And if they didn't want it, that's fine. My job is just to offer good news, right? This isn't about closing a sale so you can get a sales commission. It's simply about loving people and bringing them good news. I have even had conversations with people about Jesus on airplanes. But that last one, that one is pretty rare, uh, which is fine by me because I get so little time to read that I really look forward to flights as like reading time. And I know that some of you do too. But I have a secret weapon. The minute they ask me what I do for a living, I have the entire flight to read my book. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not going to talk to you, right? And that shows that a lot of people have some negative baggage about Christians trying to convert them. But today's story shows a different way. A different way where we don't force anything, we just good news people. And we do that in a couple of ways. And the first is, and you've heard me say this before, but it's so important, pay attention to the nudge in your daily routine. This chapter starts saying, on that day, a great persecution broke out and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And the word there for preached is, is, is the same Greek word from uh, evangelism, euangelion, and it just means good news. They didn't preach. They good news to people wherever they went. The persecution forced them out of Jerusalem, and as they went, they just good news people. And notice who does it. 
The apostles, the professional Christians, people like me, they're stuck in Jerusalem. It's the lay people that do it. Because see, you, you, y'all have an ability to good news people that I will never meet. That's why God has strategically scattered you all over King County all week long. And this is not about adding something. Good newsing people isn't about adding something to your schedule. It's doing what you're already doing differently, paying attention to the nudge. As you go to school, as you go to your sports practice, as you go to work, as you're in your neighborhood, as you're at the grocery store, good news people. When Philip sees the Ethiopian in the carriage, the text says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, we don't know how the Spirit said that. I think it's the way the Spirit talks to us still, right? That thought that you know isn't your thought, that nudge, you know, hey, ask that coworker how they're doing. They look kind of sad. Invite that person over to watch the game with you. Pay attention to the nudge. Second, cross barriers. This story would have scandalized its first readers because Philip is crossing all kinds of barriers he shouldn't have crossed. So for starters, this guy's from Ethiopia, so he's a foreigner. Second, he's black. He's from Africa. And Philip is a Jew, so there's a racial difference. Third, this man is a eunuch, which was common for court officials. If they were going to be around the royal women, they were often castrated so they couldn't mess around with the royal women. But in Philip's culture, that meant that he was a sexual minority and would have been considered unclean. These two people could not be any different from one another. And Jewish men like Philip were told, never associate with people that are different than you because they will defile you. But Philip crosses all of those barriers to good news this guy and to love this guy. Throughout the Bible, God commands, it's not a suggestion, God commands his followers to cross racial, religious, cultural, economic, and gender barriers to bring compassion and love and good news. It's why Christianity is the only truly global religion. You know, most universities will say that all religions are invented by culture because cultures need something to hold them together, and so they invent religion, and that's the glue that holds them together. The problem with that argument is Christianity. Because, see, Christianity transcends all cultural barriers, all cultural barriers, and no other religion does that. So, for instance, 80% of Muslims live in the Middle East, South Asia, and North Africa, near where Islam started. 95% of Buddhists live in East Asia where it started. 99% of Hindus live in India or South Asia. On the other hand, though, Christians, Christians, 36% of Christians are in the Americas, 25% in Africa, 25% in Europe, 13% in Asia, and that number is skyrocketing. In other words, Christianity is evenly distributed around the world. No other religion does that. Korea went from 0% Christian to 40% Christian in just 100 years. China is currently on track to do the same thing. Africa went from 9% Christian to 50% Christian in just 100 years and will soon be two-thirds Christian. Christianity is growing in Africa 10 times faster than the population, which is why we have to stay connected globally because do you think some of those folks in Africa could teach us here about how revival happens and what it looks like? No other religion has ever moved into a new culture and grown like this. It's global, and it exhibits more cultural diversity than anything, including Western secularism. Because over and over, Jesus says, see that person completely different than you racially, religiously. Maybe they vote differently than you. Someone that you view as unclean, go good news them. Maybe that's someone of a different race or nationality or a different age or LGBTQ people. And I know there's differences of opinion here in this church about that last one, 
And, but we can still be a community together. We can still journey together and disagree. But I'm pretty sure all of us would agree that everyone deserves to be treated with equality, dignity, love, just as Jesus reached out to people who were different races, different religions, different backgrounds. Amen. All right? It's as simple as this. If we don't or won't, if there are groups of people that we don't or won't connect with, we are disobeying Jesus who commands us to cross barriers. It's one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus. And then third, go on a journey with people. The Holy Spirit nudges Philip to go up to the Ethiopian's carriage and the Ethiopian is reading, so Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He asks a question. The Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the word he uses for explain it to me in Greek is horogese. It's the prefix hodos, which means road or path or journey. So in other words, he says, how can I understand unless someone goes on the road with me? See, it's not about explaining or arguing or pressuring. It's a relationship where we get in the carriage of people's lives, go on a journey with them and help them see Jesus in the middle of their lives, which Philip does when he gets in this carriage. So different than what many people have experienced from Christians, right? Pushy Christians. So different than what I was taught decades ago. You know, I was taught, like one of the things I was told was one of the ways you evangelize people is you just walk up to perfect strangers and say, have you heard the good news, right? And then supposedly they get curious and they say, no, what's the good news? And then you can bait and switch and talk about Jesus, right? Ick, right? Many of you know uh, Alexis. Uh, he's from Rwanda. He leads New Hope Revival, which is a multi-ethnic worshiping community that meets here on Sundays at 11. And in August, we hired Alexis and put him on staff. Well, a few days later, Alexis came up to me and said, have you heard the good news? And I thought it was an evangelism line. So I said, yes, but I'm already a Christian. He meant the good news that we'd hired him. <laughs> he just looked at me like, you Americans are so weird. That's how we're going to leave people if we just kind of do hit and runs on them. But if we go on a journey with people, we bring good news. And maybe that leads them to a relationship with Jesus, and maybe it doesn't, but that's not our job. Our job is just to good news them. And I'll give you an example in a minute. It brings me to the last way that we good news people, and that is connect Jesus to the stuff of their lives. This Ethiopian guy, he was the treasurer for the queen, basically CFO of his country, sec sec treasury secretary, right? He has a chariot. Only the top 1% had chariots. So he's super wealthy, educated, powerful, but something's missing. And he's reading Isaiah 53 from the Old Testament. And it says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now as a eunuch, this guy understood all about not having descendants, since eunuchs don't have descendants. Right? And in a family-dominated culture, that had to be incredibly painful. So he asks Philip, who is this man they're talking about in Isaiah? Well, it's a prediction of Jesus 500 years before Jesus came. And that's pretty clear from the rest of the chapter of Isaiah that says he was pierced for our transgressions and the, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. So it says that Philip, starting with that passage of Scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. He, Philip asked questions and then he told some stories. Right? and showed him that Jesus understands this Ethiopian's pain. Philip doesn't give him an intellectual argument about Jesus. He shows how Jesus meets him in the stuff of his everyday life. We have plenty of opportunities to talk about Jesus if we just stop ducking them all the time. 
When someone's going through a hard time, we can say, I'll pray for you. I've never had anyone get mad when I've said that. When someone is wondering aloud about what makes life worthwhile, we can tell a story about how Jesus or Jesus' people helped us to figure that out. If we ask Jesus to show us, we'll see plenty of opportunities to good news people to talk about him. And many people are wanting to hear this. We don't understand this. No one wants to be pressured. No one wants to be argued with, but everyone wants to hear good news, right? News that Jesus heals their pain, forgives their sin, gives them a bigger purpose in life. This Ethiopian is looking for some kind of answer to his pain. That's why he's been to the temple in Jerusalem. He must have heard something about God all the way in Ethiopia. But he would have been rejected at that temple because he was a eunuch. He's tried success, reputation, power, wealth. He has not found his answer. And so like a lot of people, he's asking religious questions. Questions like, how can I be a better person? Does my life matter? How can I feel truly loved and worthy? He's the neighbor who's lonely, the coworker who is bored, the person at the soccer field who is filled with guilt over something they've done. All of those people are asking religious questions and they're going to something for their answer. It's their job or it's money or it's shopping or it's an addiction. It's something and those things aren't working. So here, Philip shows that Jesus is God who took on human flesh, suffered everything we suffered, which means he understands what we're going through, but he also was raised from the dead, which means he can renew and transform. If this Ethiopian man had kept reading just a few chapters later in Isaiah, he would have seen this good news. Let no foreigner say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people, and let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. And he would have known just a few chapters after what he was reading that in Jesus he was loved, forgiven, renewed, redeemed, restored. See, evangelism is not getting in people's faces and answering questions that they're not asking. Right? And it's not twisting every conversation around to work in Jesus into every conversation. You know, if you're playing tennis and the score is 40 love, you don't say, speaking of love, for God so loved the world, right? No. Good news, you laugh, but I've seen it happen. Good newsing people is just getting in the carriage of their life. Maybe that's to serve them in some way. Do an errand, bring a dinner, lend a listening ear, and sometimes, not always, not always, but sometimes, that leads to a conversation about Jesus. Now, right about now, some of you are thinking, oh, I can't do that. I don't know how to, I'm not equipped to do that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You can tell your story. That's all this is. You can just tell your story. Well, what if someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer to it? That one is complicated. That one is difficult. Okay, that one's tricky. So here's what you do. You say, I don't know. Let's practice that bell press. I don't know. See how easy that was to do? And then you say, but I will find out. And then you email our library or you talk to one of the, our pastors, right? Nobody, anyway, has argued into a relationship with Jesus with logic, right? They're loved there. Yes, we need to show our faith is intellectually credible, but ultimately it's a relationship. So let me boil this down to three things. Some of you have heard me say this before. Let me just give them as a reminder. Three things that it all comes down to. When we, to, to good news people, ask questions. That's what Philip does. Hey, man, how are you doing? Tell me more about that. How does that feel? Ask questions. Tell stories. Here's how Jesus or his people helped me. Ask questions. Tell stories. Don't give arguments and dogma. Ask questions and tell stories. And then remember this. Evangelism is doing those things that provoke the question, the answer to which can only be Jesus. 
whether that's serving people in a way that makes them ask, why are you doing this? Or maybe it's just something different in the way you live because of Jesus. Do those things that provoke the question, the answer to which can only be Jesus. And if you want help with all of this, here's the second way you can get involved in the Bell Bell Press vision right now. And that is we're going to offer a two-week class on how to have these good news conversations with people, how to do this naturally in a way that is not offensive. February 5th and February 12th, very practical training around this. Really encourage you to go there. And not everyone that we talk to is going to become a Christian. Not every person I talk to becomes a Christian, right? Lots of people don't. But remember, this is baseball, not basketball, okay? In baseball, you strike out two-thirds of the time and you're a Hall of Famer, all right? Some people won't respond, but if we do this right, they will feel loved, not pressured. First time I really figured this out was years ago when I was a graduate student in California. And my wife and I went to the same woman to cut our hair back when I had some of that. And this woman had cut our hair, cut my hair for over 10 years, and, 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 and she'd seen my hair in its various stages of receding, which creates a bond, you know. And one of the things I liked about her was she didn't change who she was because I was a Christian. She knew I was a Christian, but she just stayed the same, you know, in front of me. She was irreverent. She swore like a sailor, right? Like, in fact, as a student of language, I was always amazed at what she could do with words, you know. It was like... Wow, you use that as an adjective. I didn't know it could do that, right? Like, it, it's art, really, you know? Well, when her first child was born, she started asking questions about God. And she said, I don't want to do to my kid what my parents did to me, which was say, there's some kind of God out there, now go do what you want. She said, if there's a God, I think it'd probably be important to know him. Well, I didn't start to preach at her. I just asked questions, told some stories about how Jesus had affected my life. And we did this for a long time. And then one day, she was cutting my hair, and she was just going on and on about how much she hated church people, just hated church people. She said, they're mean, they're rude, they're arrogant. Church people are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, and I can't stand them. And I said, you know what? I have a confession to make. I am one of those hypocritical church people. I am not a good person. I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I have all kinds of faults and failures and fears and sins, and all of that makes me feel unworthy of anyone's love, let alone God's. And I don't even want God to let me into heaven the way that I am, because if he lets me in the way that I am, what does that say about everyone else who got in? He had to lower the bar pretty low to let me in. So what does that say about everyone else? And I don't think it's going to be heaven if it's filled with a bunch of people like me. And I said, that's why I follow Jesus. He took the punishment I keep thinking that I deserve and he cleans me up and he makes me whole and I can't do that on my own. That's why I'm a Christian, not because I'm good, but because I'm bad. And she stopped cutting my hair and she sat down in front of me and she said, now that doesn't make me want to throw up. (laughs) It's a good start, right? Right? Now, she didn't become a Christian right there, right? She didn't take her squirt bottle and say, what's to prevent me from being baptized? Right? But several years later, several years later, and by this time I was a pastor, she made Jesus her leader and her forgiver, and I had the privilege of baptizing her in the church I was part of. And she was not dressed the way church people thought she should be dressed. The dress was way too short, way too tight, right? The hair was way too big, all this stuff. She did not use church language, but we all just kept showing her God's love and it was a beautiful thing. All of that took about nine years that whole journey. 
I got in the carriage of her life. I kept going to her to cut my hair, even when there were cheaper people or closer people. I kept going to her. I asked questions. I told stories. And then out of the stuff of her life, she began to discover Jesus. And before that conversation, the word evangelism kind of always gave me the willies. But after that conversation, I realized, oh, this is, this could actually be fun. This is simply loving people and telling them good news, no strings attached. Now, There have been lots of people I've journeyed with, and they have not started a relationship with Jesus. That's okay. Maybe I was just one step in a multi-step process for them. Do you know how many people influenced me before I finally became a Christian? You know, co-workers and bosses and friends and teachers, and some of them don't even know I'm a Christian because I lost touch with them. We may be just one leg of a relay race, and then we hand the baton to someone else. But if we do it right, folks are going to feel loved. So who can you good news this week? I guarantee you, if you ask Jesus, he will show you people in your life who need some good news. Maybe it's just to listen to a neighbor, ask some questions and offer some help. Maybe it's to bring someone dinner. Maybe it's to take that course that we're going to offer in February to really learn how to do this. Whatever it is, who can you good news this week about a God who cannot let go of us, who loves us like crazy, who died for us and who makes us new? And how will they know, to paraphrase the Ethiopian, how will they know, how will they know that they are that loved unless someone tells them? The Bible says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And Bell Press, y'all got some good-looking feet. So let's get out there and good news, people, left, right, and center. Jesus, thank you that you are nothing but good news. And I ask that every person in this room, myself included, that we would first experience your love in us so that we can give that love away to others. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.